With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Welcome into our weekly look at the Buffalo Bills opponent. And for this week, uh, I have Charlotte Carroll from The Athletic, who covers the New York Giants. Uh, So uh, kind with her time to come in and uh, chat a little Giants with us today. How are you, Charlotte? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Yeah, no problem. Um, We really appreciate this. And, um, you know, it's it's been a weird season for the Giants, or almost even like a weird transition to this season. It's they had so much success in the first year of, of Brian Dable, uh, coach of the year, all, all the accolades. And then you get to this year, and I think a lot of people thought they were going to be competitive in the division, and they're sitting at one and four, obviously ravaged with injuries as you look at the injury report. 30,000-foot view, what, what's gone wrong for the Giants so far? Honestly, I think it's injuries. That's about that's probably it, it's a cop out and you don't want to say injuries because NFL teams should be able to play. But it's just felt like a never ending. There's 14 guys on the injury report yesterday, so it's not getting any better. Um, it started with left tackle Andrew Thomas going down in the first game with a hamstring injury. Um, and it's just kind of unraveled from there, unfortunately. And the offensive line just hasn't been able to keep up. Mm-hmm. How have you seen Dable? handle the adversity early on this season because a lot went right in year one and really you have this kind of one year window as you're kind of messing around with the roster and you know implementing your own system which you know covering him here in Buffalo I've talked to numerous players who talk about the complexities of his scheme how has he handled this especially in the media market that New York is and just the kind of like struggles to start the year Yeah, no, I mean, he's very much one day at a time guy. So that's kind of how you've seen him approach this is, you know, we're going to take it one game at a time and then it's one week at a time, one day at a time, one practice at a time. So it's kind of keeping to the process and very process oriented and not trying to to change things up too much um, and just keep guys on track. So for right now, we'll, we'll see kind of how that, that plays out the rest of the year, especially with injuries. Um, and I forgot to even mention Saquon Barkley earlier. Yeah. So that's, that's a big one too. But Saquon, um, as when he went out in week two, so it's just kind of one day at a time, one injury report at a time, and, and go from there. 
Tell us a little bit about the backup offensive line that's basically been forced into action. Has it been – I was watching a little bit of one of the games either last week or the week before, and it just looked like an onslaught of pass rushers uh, breaking through, and Daniel Jones obviously banged up now. Has it been just subpar play uh, from the backups that are in for the starters? Yeah, no, it's been kind of crazy because they won't – potentially won't have three starters on their offensive line for this weekend, depending on how injuries shake up, maybe two at the max. They do not have their rookie center, John Michael Schmitz. He's out with a shoulder injury at the present moment. Um, he did not practice yesterday, so we'll kind of see what happens today. Um, and then they obviously don't have left tackle Andrew Thomas. So things have really shifted around. You've got players kind of playing positions. So I'll just kind of go left to right and, and give you the breakdown at left tackle. They're going with Josh Azudu right now, who was competing actually for a guard spot over the summer, which he didn't win. And then they decided to kind of, you know, put him in the tackle spot. So already you're kind of putting him at a, I don't know, disadvantage, or he just wasn't practicing there for most of training camp until the end. Um, at left guard is Mark uh, Glowinski, who was actually a starting right guard, got benched, but then had to come in at one point due to injuries. So he's in that position and he's not been playing horribly. Um, center right now is Ben Bredesen, who was starting left guard, but had to kind of be shifted over once uh, John Michael Schmitz went out. Mm -hmm. Right guard is Marcus McKeithen, who came in when Glowinski was benched. But uh, McKeithen actually has a knee injury. Um, he did practice yesterday, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. So he's probably going to be okay for Sunday. Uh, Dable was optimistic. And then right tackle is Evan Neal, who's the only starter who's been consistent through the first five games of the season. And he's taken a lot of heat. There was some um, viral comments that he made that didn't go over too well with the fans. So it's just kind of been, there's some outside noise. There's obviously the internal transitions just because of injuries. So it's been a little chaotic over there. Yeah. Wow. That's quite a rundown. Uh, what's <laughs> going on in the offensive line? Yeah. In they're your line. <laughs> No, it's it's really good intel because, you know, despite Daquan Jones going out this past weekend, the Bills do have one of the better defensive fronts in football, which is like, to your point earlier, like horrible timing to be facing this team. I feel like that's probably a matchup that, you know, plays out well for the Bills, especially if they have to go with uh, Terod Taylor. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we know him well in Buffalo. He had a really good run here, actually. Um, but, you know, when you're going to your your second quarterback and, you know, I always think it's interesting when you hear backups talk uh, about their experience and like how they have to prepare for games. And I was listening to Taylor's press conference earlier this week and he talked about like, you know, there are no reps for you because you got to figure out a way to just mentally go through things. Do does it feel like there's a lot of confidence in him if he has to play? Definitely. I mean, he's a veteran. He's been in this league for so many years. It's not really, I don't think, a worry. He knows what he's doing. I mean, we saw him come in on Sunday. So it's kind of just like the next man up mentality. They all use that. It's a very cliche phrase, mm -hmm. um, but it's hammered down in this locker room. You'll hear it from guy to guy. And I think Tyrod just embodies that as well. You know, he, he's ready. You see him taking throws on the sideline when, when it's his time. Um, so I'm not too worried there. It's more of, as we were talking about with the offensive line is, can they protect him? Cause you know, Tyrod likes to run, you know, and he took some hits. He actually, it looks like he might've even was going to go out on Sunday, got the wind knocked out of him. He came back in luckily. Um, but that's probably my biggest concern with him. And, and it's not so much him. It's what's surrounding him at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you look at Darren Waller, and I know he's on the injury report with, uh, I believe it was the groin, uh, which you always kind of get your eyebrows to go up for a skill position player. What, you know, in f- um, five games this season, 23 catches, 239 yards, no touchdown, 10.4 yards per reception, which is actually the lowest for him since 2016. What hasn't really clicked for him early? Because you, you'd almost think with the way that Daniel Jones plays, thinking about his best moments, Waller would have been like this perfect fit to go with him. Has that, has that matchup or, or that combo not really worked early? Yeah. I mean, it's been tough because of some injuries and he's actually had to go in. Bellinger, I think was out a game. I can't remember. There's so many injuries to keep track of. Yeah. Bellinger had an injury um, and Waller actually had to take over kind of some blocking duties. So then you kind of have to shift personnel around a bit and you take him out from being, you know, that go-to guy. He was having a better day on Sunday against the, the Dolphins. I think he was the, the Giants' leading wide receiver. I have to look at the stats again. I'm just pulling that number, but that sounds right. Um, and so that connection is there. It's again, it's just a matter of like, can Daniel make it? Can he he get, have enough time to get the pass out? Um, not that that's an excuse, but it's and it hasn't been you know what everyone's hoping for, and and you're looking for that what we saw in training camp, um, but just kind of things to consider of what he's been forced to do. Um, and you hope that as you guys start getting healthier, that that can work out a little bit better. Let's shift uh, to the defensive side of the ball, because obviously with Wink Martindale there, they had a really good first season in that new scheme. And uh, I went back and looked last season, held teams to 21 points per game. That's up quite a bit uh, to a little bit over 30. Um, can you diagnose maybe what's gone wrong for that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, it's hard right now, actually, because they actually played a really good game on Sunday, all things considered, against the Dolphins, who have just been such a high-powered offense all year. Mm-hmm. Um, they finally got the, the takeaways that they were looking for. So they've played a, a good game. They've just been on the field a lot. Um, that's at least just like an initial diagnosis is because this offense has been struggling so much, they're kind of forced to be out there. Um, You saw them go blitz heavy against the 49ers as an attempt to kind of keep things close. And that worked for a while. They just couldn't keep it up on the offensive side of the ball. Um, So I think they're playing a little bit stronger. So I'll be curious to see if they kind of keep that up. If we'll see more consistently too from Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, who's actually out with a hamstring injury this week, Um, not for the game for sure yet, Um, but he missed practice yesterday. So it's just kind of the, the hamstring injury with, with disease has kept them, you know, from being a full healthy front. So if that can kind of all come together, um, we'll see. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app, 
where you could turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Um, I want to ask you about a couple of the, you know, bigger marquee kind of names you mentioned, Thibodeau, but let's real quick discuss Boogie Basham because obviously Bills fans still, um, you know, tracking his career, former second round pick who the Bills decided to trade to the New York Giants. What have been your impressions of him uh, in the five games that he's played uh, so far this season? And how do the Giants kind of view him? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I paid more attention to the offensive line than I have uh, at times with the defense and with, with Boogie just because of the issues that have stemmed from there. Um, I work with Dan Duggan, who is, is great um, at the Athletic. There's two of us. Uh, but, you know, I think it's just kind of fill in as you can and, and use pieces. Uh, that's been Wink's motto is kind of be versatile. So I think that's very important for this defense. Mm -hmm. um, Thibodeau, is he kind of the straw that stirs the drink for them? Like, you know, going back even to last season, do they kind of go as he goes? And, and what kind of challenges does he pose? You know, Deion Dawkins is coming off of a game last week for the Bills. Uh, where I thought he struggled for the first time this season. Uh, you know, Josh Allen from Jacksonville, one of the premier pass rushers in the league. Uh, what does Kayvon Thibodeau do well, and how has his, his, his season gone? Yeah, I mean, he started kind of a little bit down, but he's gone up. He had um, his fourth sack last weekend or against the Dolphins, which ties his rookie season total. Um, so he's been doing a lot better, and I think, you know, whether he's the, the offense or the straw that stirs the drink, excuse me, uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys on this defense who can be that. You got Dexter Lawrence, uh, Leonard Williams. I think it takes like one big play to get them going, as we saw on Sunday. You know, the, the takeaways kind of come in bunches. Um, so I, I, I think he's he's improving. With the offense struggling um, early this season, has there been any conversation amongst like the media about Dayball potentially taking over play calling duty? I know that's something that he didn't do when he first got there they had a lot of success there um i'm curious though if there's been any kind of chatter about that welcome to the conspiracy theory world you're <laughs> a couple weeks too late from that uh oh, okay. that, that actually that was a topic against in week two when they played the cardinals there was this huge hubbubaloo on, on social media because they saw dable kind of covering his face with the play sheet more mm -hmm. That was kind of going around on fans on social media. So then I actually went back to watch the game and, and you could definitely see that he was covering his face more. You know, we asked him about it. He's like, no, you know, Mike calls the plays. Mike Kafka, who's the offensive coordinator. Um, Daniel was very kind of quiet about it. You know, it's like I get the calls from Mike type of a situation. So I think what we kind of settled on as a maybe as a press corps is that, you know, uh, Mike Kafka is definitely still calling the plays and or Daniel's getting them from him type of a situation. I don't know, you know, if things continue, maybe it becomes another conversation of like, okay, what can they do to, you know, shift things around, maybe get a boost. But for right now it's, it's Mike Kafka who's still play calling. Cool. What is like an under the radar player that, you know, most 
opposing fan bases or teams don't talk a lot about, but that's sneaky, like super important to what the Giants do? That's a good question. Um, now you've got me thinking about this. I don't think I've thought about that. Um, I don't know. You know, Jalen Hyatt on offense can be sneaky good. Mm. He has been a little quiet uh, lately, but he had a really good showing against the Cardinals. He had that really big catch. Um, that kind of got the offense going in the second half and, and started their comeback run. That's the first name that comes to mind, just of kind of the speed that he has. And if they can get the ball to him, he is a real offensive weapon. Um, I have to think about that defensively, though, who could be that guy as well. I'm going to think on that a little bit more. Okay. Um, so the wide receiver approach this offseason for the Giants was interesting because I feel like they brought in a lot of like, Similar style players. I mean, Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard on the roster already. You go out and get Hyatt, who's the speed guy. Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Wandell Robinson. I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously, they're a little bit different. Like, Hodgins isn't like a speedy, like, interior player. But, like, they have. it seems like they have a lot of the same thing. Has that been a problem at all? I think it's just been – the offense has been stagnant because of the line. I think it starts from there, and it's tough to really see the full effect of this offense when they can't get the ball out and Daniel's getting sacked at the rate that he is. He's on pace for way too many sacks this season. He's already, over the last two weeks alone, been sacked 16 times. So it's kind of hard to truly evaluate where this offense can be when he just can't get the ball out. Um, and now as a, as a result for all those sacks, he's injured too. I mean, he did not practice yesterday. So things are, I mean, Tyrod probably maybe will be playing on Sunday. We'll see what happens uh, in practice on Thursday and Friday. Um, but I think that's the root cause of, of things not really going well. Mm -hmm. And I guess a good place to kind of wrap this conversation up is around Daniel Jones, because whether or not he plays this weekend, like, I think like that's like the biggest storyline coming off of that contract they gave him last off season to kind of watch over the course of the year. And like, Brian's like, he's not like an overly patient guy, especially like, you know, it worked out well here because Josh had this kind of arc that by 2019, he, you were really starting to see the early signs of development and high level play. And then it 2020, 2020 and beyond kind of hit, went to the moon. Where are things in the building with Daniel Jones and then amongst the fans uh, in terms of him being that solidified franchise quarterback? Yeah. I mean, I think that's two very different questions, fans versus in the building. Um, the building, they love him. Uh, they've always, they really respect him um, in terms of just like, he's a tough guy. He's going to take those hits. He's going to run the ball. He's very well respected for his work. Fans obviously have a different side of things and, and questionable, especially with a slow start. Kind of pitchforks come out even earlier than you expected. And with that, as you mentioned, the contract that he got over the offseason, that kind of elevates that that talk even more and, and makes things even more, you know, sooner that they want to see results. Um, but again, this this year, I think it's hard because the line play, I'm going to just keep banging that into the ground at the moment because that's just things aren't functional for them to get plays off quickly and, and have time. And even if they do, there's been some struggles. Um, I think even Kurt Warner tweeted about this and, you know, just to kind of take a step back from all the Daniel Jones hate and acknowledge kind of what's going around to him. And you don't want to give excuses, um, but just understanding that is also happening. Um, so I don't, yeah, I, I think it's tough to, to fully evaluate that things need to, to improve. Definitely.
Mm -hmm. What were the Evan Neal comments? I should have followed up on that earlier because uh, I didn't yeah. see that story. Yeah, I know. He blasted fans with a reporter, uh, Daryl Slater. They, they were talking and Evan had a, had a rough game. I think it was the Seahawks game. I'm already losing track of time, which is great. <laughs> it's October. I know that much. And it's, today is Thursday. Um, <laughs> I probably should have asked this. <laughs> that. <laughs> As I've been using today, uh, journalism, no, 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 101. But uh, he blasted fans after he was kind of getting booed as he walked off at halftime during the Seahawks game. And, you know, he was asked about that by the reporter. He was like, you know, I'm not going to listen to the, the comments of, what did he say, of sheeps and kind of called fans burger flippers. Um, so there was oh, some, wow. it was really bad. Um, and he's made those comments. The, the story went up you know, Thursday afternoon, took off a life of its own. He issued an apology on Twitter later that night, and he, to his credit, owned up for it uh, the next day with reporters and, you know, kind of just moving on. But that's something that, you know, happened, and it's it's something to make note of and just kind of see how that plays out as this line kind of has struggled. And he's a guy just because of him being in the position that he's in where he's been the only starter. He's taken a lot of heat that started with the Dallas game, which was his struggle game last year in his rookie season. So there was already these comparisons I wrote something bigger on him leading up to the season on the work that he was doing to kind of shift from that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's been tough with so many changes and the miscommunications on the line or apparent miscommunications, I should say. So we haven't really gotten to see Evan Neal, who's a top 10 draft pick, step into that role that fans want him to be in. Um, so, yeah, it's been a little crazy around, around here when it comes to the line. Yeah, and it's like – I think about this a lot. And one of the things that I don't think Sean McDermott gets enough credit for over the course of his tenure is really handling all of that kind of sideshow stuff. Like whenever there's comments like drama, there's been dramas over the years going back to when LaShawn McCoy was here. And I felt like he always did a really good job of compartmentalizing all of it. Um, how is Dable handled all of that, especially during that Evan Neal situation? And how do you feel like, players have responded i mean he was coach of the year last year so obviously he's doing a lot right how do you feel like players in the room view him yeah i think with evan neal specifically it was they had talked you know they kind of hashed it out whatever they did we don't know really what they said um and I, evan addressed his teammates as well um because that was so public uh and then they moved on and as i mentioned table's a very process oriented kind of one day at a time guy and he was like okay put the past in the past, it's hard to get them to talk even sometimes about things that have happened <laughs> just a week ago and they're ready to move forward. Um, so I think that was kind of the same boat. And I think that's respected among the teammates. The teammates, uh, the locker room, excuse me, has kind of taken that approach of, you know, we're looking already ahead to the next thing. We're not really focused on the past. And when it comes to Evan, his teammates, you know, lifted him up and supported him and they're, you know, on to the next thing. Charlotte Carroll, thank you so much. This has been great uh, to kind of get a look into the New York Giants world for a little bit. Let everybody know where they can find your work this week as they're studying up on the Giants. Yeah, you can find me at The Athletic, on the Giants page. I'm on uh, Twitter, X, uh, at Charlotte Carroll, C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E-C-R-R-L-L. 
Um, same on Instagram. So I'll be there. Thank you so much for having me on and, and listening to me ramble about the offensive line a lot. <laughs> you can you tell that's been my focus over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> you don't understand. Bills fans are going to really enjoy that part of it. Like there's not a, a position group that they won't uh, be willing to hear all about uh, from the opposing team. So thank you so much for taking the time today. We'll see you this weekend in the press box. Uh, get some chicken wings hopefully this weekend and uh, enjoy yourself. Thank you so much.